Welcome in. You are listening to the Blue Notes Podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. I am your host, Benji Taylor. Oh, my goodness, Colts fans. This is why we can't have nice things. This past week, we got the best news and then the worst news. And somewhere in the midst of the emotional swings, the Colts beat the Titans at home in another gutsy performance. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But that is the life of a Colts fan. Stick around and let's talk about it. Last week was kind of a bummer of an episode. I suppose that's what happens after a loss, but it doesn't really need to be that way. I'm going to do better this week, I promise. In fact, we have one note of bad news to discuss, and we're going to do that right now. We're going to get it out of the way. You know the bad news. Anthony Richardson was injured Sunday in the Titans game after only playing 22 snaps. It's an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder, and he'll be out indefinitely. It could be four weeks, longer, we don't know yet. Uh, So let's update the ratio. AR has now started four games and finished exactly one game. Four starts, four different injuries. And now this is the one that will sideline him for multiple weeks. The silver lining, maybe, (laughs) is that they're all different injuries and somewhat incidental. It's not like he's affected with the same injury over and over. I guess that's one way to look at it. The other way is to acknowledge that this is a concerning trend. And I think whenever he returns to the lineup, there are some real questions to be asked about how he plays football and how he is to be coached. Those questions have to be asked and have to be answered, but we don't need to really worry about them today, thankfully. The bad news was a heavy hit, but that's it. The rest was good. The rest was great, actually. Saturday morning, early afternoon, maybe, I was at the soccer field watching my kids play when I got the notification. I checked my phone to see the most shocking news. Shocking. Like, more shocking than Will Fries being a top guard in the league. That kind of shocking. Jonathan Taylor was signed to a contract extension by the Indianapolis Colts. Listen, I've already used this movie reference before, so I can't do it again, but it's a line from Christmas Vacation. If I woke up with my head stoned to the carpet, you remember this? I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. I said that a couple weeks ago. I can't remember in reference to what, but it's a fact, and it's fitting right now, and it's a shame that I've already used that reference because this, it's perfectly fitting. Hey, I was holding out hope, clinging to any thread of a possibility of any kind of hope, that this could somehow work. It's what I wanted all along, but I didn't think it was possible. Not right now, anyway. We all saw JT's icy interview with the press last week. I thought there was no chance. When asked about his desire and commitment to the team, he simply said, I'm here now. (laughs) That's it. Cold as ice. After that cold response from JT, my mind started to imagine worst-case scenarios. Even though the team removed him from the PUP list and opened up the 21-day window, I still thought this thing could turn sideways. The window had just opened, which meant that we still might not see him play for three more weeks. As of Friday evening, that late, 
that was still a possibility. But I thought even worse than that, JT needed only six games for this year to count toward his current deal and effectively complete his rookie contract with the Colts. I thought if he truly was unhappy with the team, as it seemed, that he could push the 21-day window till the end, play six games, then refuse to play anymore. Also, you know, there was still a decent chance of a trade scenario unfolding. And I would have bet money on any of those wild narratives before I bet on the truth. Jonathan Taylor signing a new contract with the Colts before ever playing a snap in 2023. When I read the news, I was elated and I pumped my arms in celebration. As I said, this is what I wanted all along and it made too much sense to me. I didn't love how JT handled the contract discussions, nor did I think the Colts handled things very well on their end. Honestly, it was a murky mess that seemed to have no immediate solution, but I was wrong. A couple of final notes on the deal. I think everybody wins here. Jonathan Taylor gets a new contract, three years for $42 million, including 26 and a half guaranteed. That's pretty rare for a running back in this league. Considering the guarantees and annual salary, the new deal slots him just below Christian McCaffrey of the 49ers, which also is fair. As much as I love our guy, he shouldn't be paid more than McCaffrey. The Colts have to love this deal too. They add an all-pro skill player to a young team that really needs skill players. They have the cap space and, and aren't paying a quarterback big money, so the timing works too. Reports said that JT originally asked for around 18 or 20 per year, so to get him at 14 per year is kind of a bargain. It's also good for the brand. This relationship seemed more than strained. It was choked and left for dead. At least that was the public perspective. Yet in the matter of one week, JT exited the PUP, met with the media, then signed a brand new deal. Everyone is happy. Some say you don't pay running backs in this league, but when you have one of the best of them, I think you make an exception. The bad news about Anthony Richardson and the thrilling news about Jonathan Taylor kind of overshadowed what was a truly gutsy performance Sunday. And that's a word I keep using to describe this team. I'd search for a synonym if that one word didn't work so well, but it does. The Colts, who had lost five straight against the Titans, finally took down older brother in Indy. I hate to put it that way, but that's pretty much how it's felt. The Titans have owned the Colts recently, but there seemed to be a changing of the power Sunday. Last week, I talked about how the Colts' depth players failed in the loss to the Rams. Well, that wasn't the case against the Titans. Shaq Leonard, I think it's, I'm learning that it's, Bar Bar Bernhard Ryman, let me say that again, Bernhard Ryman, not, not Bernard, uh, Ryman and Quiddy Pay were all out Sunday with injuries, and of course the team lost Dallas Flowers for the year because of the, the uh, torn Achilles. I worried that injuries at such key positions would be too much to overcome. After signing his brand new deal, it looked like JT would play, which was exciting, but he hadn't played football in nearly a year. Then Anthony Richardson got hurt early in the game. It wasn't looking good for the home team. The Colts' depth players were needed to play heroic roles, and they did. There's a long list of guys who played out of their minds Sunday, and I want to first mention Will Fries. 
He's not a depth player. No, he's the maligned starter. I had been so critical of Will Fries, but this year he's been awesome. Awesome, I tell you. And I love being wrong about Fries. Fries has been incredible in the run game all year. And Sunday, he sealed a block that sprung the longest run in Zach Moss's career, a 56-yard score in the first quarter. Moss will get the glory, and rightfully so. It was a great run. But I want to keep spotlighting Will Fries, who has been absolutely phenomenal this year. The entire offensive line deserves a ton of credit. The Titans supposedly were a great run defense, This was the team who hadn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in something like 20 straight games. That means Jonathan Taylor never broke 100 yards in five meetings. Even in 2021, when he was the league's leading rusher, JT totaled only 134 yards in two meetings against the Titans that year. Sunday, Zach Moss ran for 165 yards and two touchdowns. The Colts' run game deflated the Titans, and they did it with a nondescript running back, a rookie left tackle, and a maligned right guard. The entire game Sunday was enjoyable and thrilling at times, but it crescendoed in the fourth quarter. It remained a one-score game throughout the contest. When the Colts led 20-16, to the Titans were driving, their dwindling pride hanging in the balance. The Titans pushed the ball all the way down to the five-yard line. With 8.47 left, the Titans faced a fourth and one at the five. No worries, right? They had Derrick Henry. He could fall over and get three yards without any effort at all. Well, the handoff went to Henry, and he was met with immediate impact. Zaire Franklin crashed into Henry, wrapped him up, and tackled him for no gain on the play, hardly even an inch. The Titans turned the ball over on downs. With backup quarterback Gardner Minshew guiding the way, the Colts then drove 84 yards and possessed the ball for over seven minutes before kicking a field goal and taking a seven-point lead. To a sloth-like offense, a seven-point deficit with less than a minute remaining in the game seemed insurmountable for the Titans, but they plunged forward anyway. But with 30 seconds left in the game, Julian Blackman intercepted Ryan Tannehill and sealed the home victory. It was a thing of beauty. The defensive game plan for the Colts was pretty simple. Stop Derrick Henry. They did it, and it worked. The massively sized running back carried the ball 13 times for 43 yards and had no runs longer than 8 yards. Since the defense was hyper-focused on Henry, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins had his best day of the season, going for eight catches and 140 yards. The numbers were good for Hopkins, but he was somewhat unimpressive. He's no longer the dominant threat he once was in this division with the Houston Texans, and that was the theme for this Titans team. Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Ryan Tannehill, and head coach Mike Vrabel, they all were good, but certainly not great. There's nothing special about the Titans anymore. They are an okay team, but they're not special, and they're certainly not interesting. This team that has owned the Colts in recent years seemed to be trending in the wrong direction, and I'm okay with it. (laughs) It was a wild week. AR is headed to the IR and will be out for a while. 
I don't love that, but JT is here to stay. The Colts, with gutsy performances by Gardner Minshew, Zach Moss, Will Fries, Zaire Franklin, and others beat the Titans at home. Now the team prepares to head south for one of the toughest matchups all season, the Jaguars in Jacksonville. That place just does something to this team. The Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Even when the Jags won one game, one game in 2020, it was a home win against the Colts. The Jags won three games the very next season, and of course, one of those three wins was a home game against the Colts. I do not have high expectations for our team Sunday in Jacksonville, but at the same time, I can't count them out. JT is back. DeForest Buckner seems to be healthy. He played 80% of snaps Sunday, which was way up from the previous week. Let's hope Bernie returns and Gardner Minshew takes his team down south to get the win. Come back next week and we'll talk about it. Take care and go Colts. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benji Taylor. Thanks for listening.